Welcome to Comic Virgin, the podcast that exposes a first-timer to the greatest comic stories ever printed on the formula page. From back alley vigilantes to space-faring demigods, none of their fingers in every tight little nook and cranny pop culture has to offer. And now, the hosts of Comic Virgin, Jason Stevens and Delaney Bowers. Hey everyone, welcome back to Comic Virgin, the podcast where each week we take a look at some of the best comics around with a comic virgin, reading them for the very first time. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. And I am Big D, which I think sounds like the name of a sex worker at Sextillion, right? It does. It could it, be. It could be. It could be. Or you could be the big D. Freelancer. Freelancer. Ooh, I have so many options. So many options. What the fuck are we talking about? We're talking about Saga this week. Saga, one of the highest rated comics to come out in modern times, is finally back from hiatus and is finishing up its final 54-issue run uh, to equal 108 before it's completely over. Today, though, we're looking at 1 through 6, which, of course, came out in March of 2012. The book is still going on. It took a hiatus from July of 2018 until January of 2022 and is back running and gunning just as good as ever. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples are co-creators. Uh, Vaughn, of course, is the writer. Staples is the artist. And I've always, like, handled this to customers as, like, an adult Star Wars. Always my description for it. Oh, I don't know if that's how I would describe it at all, but really? I mean, to oh. each their own. Give me what would be your, no, your quick. <laughs> no, don't ask me. I'm sorry. I take it back. Yes, it is an adult <laughs> Star Wars. Well, you know, it's space fantasy. Yes. They say fuck and there's boobs in it. Yes. And they say the C word. <laughs> Am I allowed to? I can say it. I'm, I feel guilty if I If it's in the book, you it. can say it. Unless it's, unless it's the N-word. Or the R-word. Which is said, and I do have some thoughts. It is said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go into it, go into it. All right, and uh, we are taking a look at Saga Volume 1, collected by Image Comics. It is issues 1 through 6. They collected it during the book's very first hiatus, of which it's had a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, it had the uh, introductory nine ninety nine price tag that Image likes to hook everybody with with their first graphic novels. And uh, I'm just going to read the synopsis from the back. I to- love this. We started it with Geiger. Yeah. Also nine ninety nine. Nine. Yes. Another Image comic. Another Image. It's a great <laughs> way to get started on these books. All right, so here we go. From award-winning writer Brian K. Vaughn, Why the Last Man and Television's Lost, and critically acclaimed artist Fiona Staples from Mystery Society in North 40, Saga is the sweeping tale of one young family fighting to find their place in the universe. When two soldiers from opposite sides of a never-ending galactic war fall in love, they risk everything to bring a fragile new life into a dangerous old world. Fantasy and science fiction are wed like never before in the first volume of this sexy, subversive, ongoing epic. Ooh, subversive. Subversive. I like it. All right, so we both read Saga. You for the first time. 
First time. What your initial knee-jerk reactions to Saga? Okay. I have, like, I don't know, maybe five notes for this. Okay. Let's see. I'm just going to I'm gonna run down the list. Ramble them out. <laughs> no. Squeeze them out. Stop. Spew them forth. Okay. So, I did think that it was heavily narrative-driven, mm-hmm. right? Like, a lot of backstory and explanation. But I also felt that every single character in this series is distinct, which seems like a massive undertaking because there are so many characters that they choose to introduce. Um, I don't know if those characters are necessarily fully fleshed out. And I mean, it's only six issues altogether, right? I I don't necessarily see a need to have a complete, you know, sort of character identity at this point. Mm -hmm. In the plot, okay, yes, like, warring star-crossed lovers type but the world building like my god it was mm-hmm. great yeah I, they're just bebopping everywhere and you're like okay i can get behind this i don't necessarily have to get it 100 percent, but i'm like vibing with a lot of these different places that they're going so there were unicorn women and sex workers with no torsos mm-hmm. a robot prince with a computer head but like full human Genitalia. Yes. Oh, you just went with Dick. Mm-hmm. I was like trying to class he had it one. up. They show it. They show his penis. <laughs> there is a teen with her entrails hanging out, mm-hmm. and then there's also a cat that we can presume knows how to fuck. Right? Yeah, I would imagine all cats know how to fuck. I think. Well, I mean, Innately. but like in like a sexy, like in an orgy situation, person way. Probably, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay, I also had that the dialogue was very zippy, but there were points of just, like, earnestness that really um, came through. And I also think that the attitudes of these characters are very reminiscent of the time when it was first created. So, like, I'm thinking back to 2012. Um, I was two years old. <laughs> just, just, just kidding. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh, the look that you just gave me. <laughs> Okay, so I was 22, but I also think that this was, like, peak Tumblr, hipster, aloof drollness, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's it's just reflected in these main characters perfectly. And I think at some point, like, even Hazel sort of gets in on the action as well with, like, how she comes across and how she chooses to speak. She's very snarky. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I think there's just something very endearing about that. And when we look at the relationship between Marco and Alana, is that how you... I was going to ask. Elena, Alana. When I read it in my head, it's Elena. But it Uh probably is Alana. Alana. So we can go with Alana. I will probably say it both (laughs) ways throughout. Mm -hmm. We'll just ignore. But it is Marco. There's no no mistaking that. (laughs) There's just something that's so natural and easygoing and protective about our protagonist that you just like want them to succeed Mm -hmm. and i think to do that in the midst of a never-ending ward uh without like wanting to resort to violence is just a very noble pursuit yes so okay the use of the r word which was just once okay yes but also like in the child prostitution storyline not super great and i don't think we can even blame it on it being like 
2012, right? You know, like, it's just, it was a choice mm-hmm. that was made. It was a choice that was made. <laughs> but it does, I mean, if you have this, let's say, anti-hero at best. Yes. And you need him to do something noble. It's got to be pretty extreme to push him to that limit. I understand. However, we do have magic and ghosts and sex and treasure maps, mm-hmm. graphic language, nihilism in the net. It's just hopeful, right? Yeah. So, like, all of these things, I can see why it's been so highly rated, why people adore it. I was going through, like, the, uh, uh, for most of um, the comics that we've read, like, the Goodreads, right, pages for each one just to get a sense of what other readers um, have thought mm-hmm. and yeah I would have to gr- agree with uh, a lot of the commenters on there and just really like gung-ho very hyped for this entire series oh yeah when it came back um, in January mm-hmm. like it has no like media presence or anything yet the comic shop was just buzzing with people wanting to come get that issue and then people realizing oh, shit, I haven't read this in two or three years. Like, I don't remember what happened. And then oh, selling a okay. lot of compendiums. Nice, yeah. Because <laughs> oh. the, the first compendium uh, is issues 1 through 54. Okay. Which is where they stopped before the big hiatus that they just came back from. In 2018. Yes. Okay. And then they're working towards the next 54. It's going to be 108 total, mm-hmm. two compendiums, complete story. Okay. Yeah. So now the question is, I've not picked it back up since the hiatus. And mm-hmm. so the question is, is do I... Do, do I wait, wait like fifty four months, or do I, or oh do I? Okay, so it is monthly. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless they take more hiatus in between. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Well, do you want to just jump right into it? Sure. You want to head off with issue number one? Must do head it. off. That's not a head phrase. off. It is now. Uh, all right, yeah. Issue number one kicks off with Alana saying, "Am I shitting?" Mm-hmm. That's right. Is she pooping, folks? We don't know because she's under a blanket having a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Alana, Marco, of course, they bring a baby into the world on the table of a mechanic shop that they paid off to have the place for the weekend. It's all dirty and gross. Uh, Marco tries chewing through the umbilical cord because he won't take his sword out because he has just refused violence in its entirety. It's a solemn vow that we find out really quickly that he's taken. Um, about that time, Baron Robot the 23rd and his landfall troops and a group of uh, wreath people, magicians, I don't know, but they show up. You got two warring groups coming after them in the mechanic shop and they start blasting each other. They all die. The mechanic who sold them out, uh, his guts are on the ground and he gives them... A hand-drawn treasure map. Yes. <laughs> Which is apparently what he spent the money he got for selling them out on. So, you know, it's got to be it's got to be a good one. Uh, and it works out good because then uh, Alana, Marco, and their new, as of yet, unnamed baby, they need to get off-world. And on the map is the rocket ship Forest. Which sounds like maybe the place to get a rocket. And then we get a backstory. We get a backstory of the warring factions for a few pages where we talk about uh, Landfall. We talk about Wreath. Landfall is the main world where people like Alana live. They've got wings, basically, like fairy-type people. And then, even though they hate magic, but they can fly around. 
Um, and then you've got Wreath, which is a moon uh, filled with uh, people with ram horns who do a lot of magic. Moonies. Moonies. But not But I, I, don't know, I don't know if moonies is like a racist term. I think it might be. Yeah. Are we allowed to say that? I don't know. I don't know. I said I say muties for the X-Men stuff, and that's probably racist, too. Watch so. your language. I don't know. Um, yeah, so we get all of that. And then it goes from here's a backstory to what's happening. Also, uh, Alana and Marco, they're on Cleave, a world that's just caught up in this war. Mm-hmm. We get some fucking. We get we full do. on doggy style robotic TV faced fucking. Yeah, are they, are they robots though? Yes, they're robots with old style television hits. Yeah, but they have completely human bodies. Yes, but they are robots. Okay. In fact, Prince Robot the Fourth has a robotic leg that was attached from an ambush he was just got back from. Um, and he's basically just talking about how he wants to raise a family, start a family with his wife, the princess, and he gets called by Agent Gale to go on the hunt for Marco, Alana, and the baby. Because basically the story is these two races are not supposed to be able to interbreed. And if they do, it may throw off the entire war machine. So they want to make sure nobody finds out about it. Uh, Alana, Marco, and the baby continue to travel by foot across Cleve. And that's a lot of that. They trudge around. They say very nice things to one another and speak. <laughs> just black actual people speak in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get to the will. The will and Lion Cat are introduced. Um... He blows up a fire-breathing creature. He gets hired by uh, Vez, who has a, yes, a unicorn horn mm-hmm. on her head. And uh, he's given a uh, credit card for expenses, which he's super stoked for. But also finds out that uh, he's supposed to track them down, kill Alana and Marco, but take their baby. Don't hurt the baby. Bring the baby. So, hey, at least you got that. If this bounty hunter is going to hunt them down, the baby's safe. Well... Or at least it's going to be safe until it gets to where it needs to go. But he also finds out there's a ticking clock because he is not the only freelancer uh, that has been hired to hunt this crew down. So he, uh, yeah, there's that. There's a lot in issue one. And that's why I think it's so narrative heavy, right? I mean, there's just like, I mean, they really pack a whole lot mm-hmm. into this first issue. Yeah. And so then we uh, we get back to the new parents. Um they were headed to this bridge on the map, which the map's surprisingly accurate. There was this giant land bridge to cross. However, you see it's been destroyed, and there's a battle going on below it. And Alana is just very taken aback by the fact that these warring factions on a planet that's not even theirs has already managed to just sweep across it, killing and destroying each other and everything around them. Um, and so you see the scope of just how shitty this has all happened. Uh, and so Marco's like, hey, I'm going to cheer you up. Like, We'll, we'll backtrack, it's fine. We're going to the rocket ship forest, even though previously, not a big believer in the map. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, uh, they almost named the baby. So close. They almost named the baby, uh, who is narrating the entire book. But not as a baby. But not as a baby. <laughs> and that's issue one. It is. Okay. And I, I was uh, flipping along as you were giving that summary, and I was just like, oh, yeah. They go in deep. <laughs> but from the get-go, did I ever expect to see a comic character give birth? No. Did I expect it to be so graphic? 
Uh, did I expect to see a horned beast gnawing through an umbilical cord? And we have this baby, right? He's holding this baby that is bloody and lumpy and screaming. And I was like, I never want to have a child it's if I have to little, shit myself in front of someone. It's got two little horns popping Two up. little nubs. <laughs> but... The one thing that I really love is from the get-go, we get a very strong sense of who these folks are, the type of relationship that they have, and what their future has in store for their newly formed family, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I mean, you, it's a complete sort of, I'm like making this sign with my hand. It's like a circle, right? Mm-hmm, Just mm-hmm. like you. <laughs> it's a audio medium. Yes. Listen here. I don't know. It's just, again, I think I'll probably use this term a million times. It's very endearing, Mm -hmm. right? You just see the love that these two um, people have for each other. Okay, also, for a quick stylistic note, having narration on the page Mm -hmm. trips me up so badly. And I think we saw it with Batman Damned, and so now it's in Saga as well. So I've just started reading the narration and then going back to read the dialogue because sometimes it becomes too confusing for me to like try to make connections between what Hazel is saying um, and then like what the people are are actually speaking. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if it would be easier since it was like the handwritten look that's on the page. Yeah, I mean, I like even in Batman Damned, right? Like we still, it was like a different. The font, you know, mm-hmm. was different, but I was still. I don't know why. <laughs> I like saw it when I first opened it, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I was already sort of like, "I'm in trouble here." But I guess you don't have a problem with it. Mm-mm. Oh, so high and mighty across the table. He gets <laughs> I, it, folks. I, he understands. I. I yeah it's not i don't know i mean maybe it's just yeah maybe i'm just a little dumb dumb no but i'm just like i think i want to draw those connections so badly Uh but i just like my brain just yeah doesn't work that way yes um i also don't know if i would normally call myself like a fantasy gal i don't know if we've read enough fantasy based comics at this point for me to like make a decision Uh but i do really enjoy the blend of high and low tech and like old world versus new world. So mm-hmm. we had like these wizards and, you know, um, magic practitioners show up in contrast with these like very heavily um, futuristic militaristic soldiers. And I like going after each other. And I think, I don't know. I just really, I like that. We saw the, a little bit of that in Hellboy mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So maybe it is sort of like a, a, trope in some series but i don't know there's always it makes for an easy like binary yeah yeah i think there's also the tie of like the landfall or like the modern and then the uh wreath or um you know yeah the, the wreath you know they're they're they use magic and stuff but it's also like they're more primitive in their mind like in the landfall, mm-hmm. landfallians' minds, they're more primitive, even though, I mean, they're just a different culture. Right. You know? Also, that Wizard of Oz-esque monkey man, right, in his treasure map. With his guts out? Yes. Yeah. Like, that was his sole purpose in this entire series, mm-hmm. was to give them a map. Yep. <laughs> and that just starts them on this fantastic journey. Okay, another question for, like, comic dumb as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are the expert here. Ooh. 
Yeah. Sex work. <laughs> okay. So they are outsourcing war to neighboring planets. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a like a common trope in, in comics? Do, are there other series that do this? Because it seems like pretty abhorrent, but also smart. <laughs> oh, um, you know, I think we see it in, in our reality a lot. <laughs> um, yes. And, and then... Um, don't listen here. <laughs> this isn't a political uh, podcast. There are, there are a lot of proxy wars that happen. <laughs> Ooh, uh, proxy wars. Yes, I but, like it. But also, I, I, you know, I think it's very much... Um, yeah, I just think warring factions in general who just go at each other, you know, nonstop, cutthroat yes. regardless. It's just a thing, yeah. Um. Okay. We already talked slightly about robot sex. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There are a few times throughout this series, at least volume or issues one through six, where we see the flash of an image across the prince's screen. Yes. Um, in this time where he's like boning his wife, there's yeah. what? What is that? An image so like of? a broken rhino horn on yes. the ground with blood. Yeah. And like, why? Do, I get the other times that I mean, we it's just see a, it. I mean, it's a boner killer, is my thought. Oh, okay. Because it's it's a bone. But um, there are other times that it's used in the series, and usually it it contradicts what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So, like sometimes there'll be something very like, um, like th- this. It came up whenever this book first came out. It was like ah, I want to say issue eight or nine. I might be completely wrong on that. Where uh, Apple supposedly was refusing to put one of their issues for download. Because uh, explicit sexual content, mm-hmm. and it stemmed from a scene of gay sex on one of the TV screens on the face, mm-hmm. and it took place during a horrific slaughter he was doing, uh-huh. and so it was like a you know a contrast of that. Yeah. Uh, but then it turned out it was comicsology, thinking that Apple wouldn't do it. But I think what it was there was a big outcry about art, and then both of them caved and just put it up for sure. digital download. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it is something they use quite a bit, and usually it is something like if it's super violent, it'll be something full of sex or you know something along those lines, just as a weird offset. Gotcha. And I guess I just, my, my last sort of note for this one was just our introduction to the Will and um, his weird ass lying cat. Lying cat, Which yeah. I feel like I brought this up to you earlier. If you could train Guts to be a lying cat, do you think that would work in your favor or no? Well, I think he would be more of a liar cat. Oh, he's the one doing the lying. He's pretty crafty already. He's a trickster. Yeah. Very mischievous. All right. Okay, so that ends issue number one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Want to bebop on over to issue number two? Yes. All right. So issue number two. Uh, things start off with the wheels' weird acorn-shaped ship. Uh, he's calling to see who else is on the same job. Turns out he finds out it's the stalk. In which case he's like, "I'm just gonna take this card they gave me and go spin it on whores until they cancel it," because. If the stock's on the case, they're probably already dead. Dunzo. Um, just gives up immediately. Uh, we head back to Cleve, and Alana and Marco are wrapped in vines hanging upside down. Um, you know, they can't get out. These plants are killing them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's telling Marco, like, hey, why don't you get your, uh, you know, your sword out? And he refuses because he's 
sworn it off. Sworn it off. So, so he says he can cast a spell to get rid of it, but he needs a secret. He needs a secret in order to cast a spell. She gives him a bullshit secret. He's like, no, no, no. I need a real one. To which she answers, I enjoy the taste of my own breast milk. Vines immediately burst into flame, and they get dropped. And then uh, he's stunned and asks about that for a while. Mm-hmm. So we get some of that. And then uh, it turns out he's afraid of the horrors, which is why he doesn't want to stop and sleep. And um, But she thinks he's full of shit and dumb for believing in them, and they both still nod off regardless. Uh, about this time, Prince Robot IV arrives in Cleve and questions a soldier uh, that knows about Alana. He's wanting to go to the prison, but it turns out she was stationed with Alana, and she talked about how she gave her a uh, kind of like a steamy romance novel that she didn't get a chance to read, and that she was like obsessed with them, which is sort of the kickoff for like pretty big part of the story overall. Alana's obsession with those books. Um, Back in the woods, the baby cries and the couple awakes and Marco attempts to show whatever is watching them from the woods that they mean no harm. He lays down his scabbard and his sword and he's like, look, we got our wedding rings on, like maybe we'll keep it. Turns out, not horrors, maybe worse, it's the stalk. The stalk. We'll get into the stalk, I'm sure. We will. Um, She immediately shoves her tongue through Marco (laughs) and then uh, reveals tons of weaponry and her big spidery body. Uh, Alana pulls out a heartbreaker, which is like a stun pistol that I guess makes you like experience like your most horrible heartache. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, she points it at the stalk. Stalk's like, that's not going to hurt me. So she puts it to the baby's head and threatens to kill her own child, which even the stalk is like, whoa, 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 a bridge too far, lady. Like, even bluffing, that's not cool. Um, but then it doesn't matter because you get some howls, some hoots out in the woods, and the stalk is like, those are the horrors. And then Alana's like, what? They're real? And she's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're real. So she just takes the fuck off. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alana's there. Marco's on the ground, bleeding, possibly dead. And she's got the baby. And, uh, boom. Turns out, the whores, pink ghost kids, end of issue. Okay, this issue seems so short. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> I have, like, four notes for this. Mm-hmm. I don't understand There's how not as many scenes. Ch- that, that first issue, they packed... Well, the first issue was oversized as well. Okay. Um, and it just had... They made sure to get, like, all the shit in in issue one. So then they could just take off. Gotcha. Which I think this issue benefited from not having so many scene changes, so mm-hmm. much backstory on every single thing that you see. You know, like it starts out with the will, but hey, we've already met the guy, you know. Yeah. So now we're just getting more of him. Absolutely. All right. What you got for notes? Okay. Let's see. Marco's use of magic over violence. Mm-hmm. The first thing. So, okay. He asked Alana... Her deepest, darkest secret. What would be your deepest, darkest secret? I'm <laughs> not as tall as people think I am. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Listen here. <laughs> 5'10". No. <laughs> oh, you're not going to say? You're not going to reveal your deepest, darkest secrets on our own podcast? I I don't have any. It's like, do you even want to collaborate anymore look, if you're not willing to get... Look, the people don't want getting hung up on this. Vulnerable. They want to hear more about issue two of Saga. <laughs> but they have to know who you are as a co-host. Mm-mm. I think they like the mystery. 
Yeah, in the madness. Keep telling yourself that. Okay, so I am very curious about Alana's decision to read books and the apparent upset backlash extreme scrutiny this causes. I'm assuming from when you were talking about it that maybe like further on in the series we sort of get like a you know, a broader view mm-hmm. of her connection to these romance novels. Is that the case? Yes, and the book in particular that gets questioned later. Okay. Is the reason her and Marco are together. Oh. But hey, I'll tell you what. After we talk about all these issues. Yes. I will, I mean, you're not going to have time to go through and read Saga for a while. And I've, and I've not read it all, so I've only got some answers. Mm-hmm. But... Feel free to ask those questions, and I'll give, like, sort of short synopsises on the answers for those. Okay. Wait, yeah? off mic? No, no, on the show. Oh. Okay. If that works, yeah. Yeah. Like, we could talk about the book thing. I just don't want to put it in here and then the people associate it with these issues and then not be in the issues. Gotcha. Okay, great. Also, absolutely in love with the character design for the stock. She is hot and horrifying. hmm That's what I aspire to be one day. She has hands... Like a weird thorax, eight eyeballs, a taffeta ball gown, just like titties hanging out. Shoulder nubs. Her arms under yeah. the skirt. Oh, yes. It does make yeah, sense. She has, no, she has no no arms up top. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, obviously. For and that. Um, eight, eight eyes. Eight eyes. Yes. Yeah. Eight eyeballs. Two um, nipples. That's all you need. On full, full display. Oh, yeah. Boobs high and tight. Um... And then there's just, like, this nearly a full page of her entire form with knives, pistols, shotguns, axes. There's also one... I don't know what that is. The what thing, is it? Looks, it looks like a bell she's holding? Yes. Yeah. That's a, like, laser joust thing. Oh. Like Like a, a, a beam shoots out of it. Almost like a lightsaber. A lightsaber? But, like, pointed like a, like a knight's jousting stick. Wait, did you know that, like, immediately upon seeing it? I have spent a lot of time <laughs> with science fiction over the years. Gotcha. Yeah, I love... Oh, and her tongue. Quite the weapon. Right, that she just, like, used to pierce Marco's flesh yes. with. Like, th- through. There's, through an, there's yeah. an exit. There's exit an exit. Wound. Oh, yeah, it's, like, barbed. <laughs> um, but it's so funny that this, like, ferocious she-demon is no match for the horrors that reside in the woods. Mm -hmm. But then we actually see the horrors, and they're so sweet and innocent and so sad. And I love um, their coloring, right? I think um, that Fiona Staples did sort of a a wonderful job in the character design Mm -hmm. for them. Not threatening at all. (laughs) Very sweet. Yeah, she does great, great work. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it can't be expressed enough how much of this book are people's faces speaking mm-hmm. and they're just yeah. so well done conversationally and the way they smile at each other. Like, especially with like Alana and Marco, like you see like how much they care about each other, by how they look at each other. It's just, she just really, just really well done characters. Absolutely. All right. So that's the end of chapter two. All right. On to chapter three, issue chapter three. Chapter three. Here we go. Uh, chapter three opens with Alana next to Marco's bleeding body. Uh, she's holding the baby. And begging and pleading for the horrors not to kill her. And that's when Marco asked if Hazel is okay. It's Hazel. It's Hazel. Hazel. The baby's name is Hazel. Not bad. 
I can get behind it. Goes with her eyes, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that was okay. Um, then we get the ghost explanation of what the horrors are. Basically, on the world of Cleve, everyone who dies comes back as a ghost to help protect their world. Also, they can project um, images into people's minds, which is why people see all kinds of crazy monsters all the mm-hmm. time around them. Um, let's see. We got the ghost explanation. Uh, and uh, the ghost girl, she really wants to leave the world, but has to bond to a soul. So she's trying to make a, make a play. But... It kicks off, goes off into Prince Robot uh, interrogating a prisoner in the in the prison about Alana and Marco. And he gets Marco's name out of him, and he shows him the book that um, he got from the soldier, you know. And the the prisoner obviously like recognizes that fucking book, but doesn't say shit about Alana because apparently she wasn't like a dickhead guard. Um, uh, turns out the ghost girl's named Isabel. Uh, she leads Alana into a, a shortcut to find snow because she wants to get to snow, partially for hydration, partially for Marco because he's just bleeding out. Um, the snot, the stalk, not the <laughs> what? What did I say? Snot. The snot. The snot. There, Which there it, might it be a character be, named be, the snot yeah. in here, but not this time. It's the stalk. <laughs> uh, she calls the wheel uh, while battling giant boars. And I don't know if those boars were real. I don't know if they were a projection or oh, if... Oh, nice. Yeah, if nice it actually, catch. I have mm-hmm. no idea. No idea. Um, but she wants the Will to um, partner up. But uh, he just eats some cereal and refuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just cuts away. <laughs> Goes back to uh, Isabel. She gets to bond with Hazel. She's talked Alana into doing it. And uh, she becomes Hazel's first babysitter. Uh, Marco uh, mentions the name Gwendolyn in his fever dreams and uh, royally fucks up. Yes. End of issue three. End of issue number <laughs> Who three. is Gwendolyn? Who is she? Well. I mean, eventually we'll find out. But for yes. now, cliffhanger. His current wife wants to know. I, yes, I made a note about that. So <laughs> we'll definitely get to it. Um, yeah, I love that um, Isabel is just like, we're fucking ghosts. We are also, um, she talks about how they are indigenous, oh my gosh, indigenous peoples who were wiped out by the warring mm-hmm. armies. Um, I do think it is an interesting choice to give these ghosts the ability to project some nasty stuff um, into the heads of outsiders. And she also mentions how it's sort of like um, an evolutionary you know, sort of, like, byproduct as well, because now they're, like, guarding Cleve. Yeah. That's the impression Basically, that the got. entire yeah. populace is, because yeah. they've all just been slaughtered. Yeah. Um, we see Alana's slightly forbidden book of choice, mm-hmm. A Nighttime Smoke. Yes. And there's some interspecies romance that's going mm-hmm. on. So uh, maybe that sort of lays the foundation for the relationship that she's built with Marco. Um, okay, this is like my biggest takeaway, I think, from this particular issue. Okay. Is that there is an emphasis on asking for help and also allowing yourself to receive help and i think that it is really an important discussion to have and like a choice to make for yourself right Mm -hmm. so we see alana she's like wildly overwhelmed with this newborn her husband could be 
dead. She's on a planet that she doesn't know very well. Like, everything is stacked against her. And Isabel's like, let me help you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you might not be able to fully trust me, but, like, I'm here to help. I mean, but there's a catch for her help. That's a big risk. It is a big risk. Letting a ghost bond with your baby. Yes. (laughs) We all, I mean, and, like, on the opposite side of that, we have characters who attempt to go at it alone, right? So we have the Will and the Stalk and, to some extent, Prince Robot, right? Mm -hmm. Who all think that they can just, like carry nations on their shoulders or not have to worry about the consequences for their actions. And I mean, they're all just so fucking miserable. Mm-hmm. Like nothing about their lives seems like healthy or fruitful in a way, in like a meaningful way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like no one is coming to save anybody. The rich will continue to get richer off the backs of these soldiers who are just like dying in a pointless war. And so the folks who are left over they have to rely on each other. And I think that there are moments within the series where that really shines through. And issue number three is one of those moments. Yes. Okay. Also, last question, soul bonding, mm-hmm. which, um, again, what Isabel attempts to do with Hazel. Yes. Are we supposed to know the ins and outs of this process? Because is she, like, no. only... Why is she wanting to be bonded to the baby as a way to get off the planet? It's the only way she can leave the planet. Okay. Is if her soul bonds to a soul, but the soul has to be born on that planet and all of her people are dead. Gotcha. Okay. But Hazel was born on the planet. Yes. So she can bond with her and leave. And so Alana asks Isabel, will it hurt my girl? Mm -hmm. And she says, only on the day it ends. Yeah. Like, it's so cryptic. And I, yeah, it's like, is that because it's physically going to hurt? Or is it, does she know that, like, she's going to care about her so much. I understand. That when it ends, like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I just had a lot of questions that don't necessarily need concrete answers. They don't don't get all the answers (laughs) right away either. That's why it's such a big risk. Yes. Okay. Well, again, a shorty. Get through that one, and we're on to issue number four. Issue number four, the wild one. Welcome to Sextillion. And you've got two women with giant faces and just legs. (laughs) We do get get a glimpse of Sextillion in... Issue number three, as the Will's sort of... Heading there. Yeah, he's he's, he's like, what is this? Okay. So the Will shows up with Lion Cat at Sextillion. He's about to be welcomed in. But he's got to send Lion Cat back. They have bestiality, but they don't let you bring your own. And he's just like, that's not what this is about. Lion Cat, not happy. Because they tell the wheel he's got to take his weapons off, too. If he wants to come. And she asks him, "Do you, you do want to come, don't you? And he, the wheel does. So he takes his belt off, and Lion Cat's eyes get huge. Because he's like, fuck. So he has to go back to the ship with uh, the wheel's gear. So the wheel can go, you know, get his rocks off. Ew. Um, ooh, that's like, I feel like that's the least offensive thing I've said Not about when this you issue say so it. far. Uh, and then we cut to a mountaintop where Marco wakes up, wakes up surprised to see a ghost, a g- 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 ghost, um, and immediately gets asked about Gwendolyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get back to orgies and sextillion. Uh, the wheels looking around. Uh, you know, he's like, look at all this fucking. You got, like, centipede women with a thousand titties. He just doesn't care. It's not enough for the wheel's bone. And then a creep shows up and says, hey, I got a place to take you for something a little less safe. So the wheel's like, ooh, nice. 
Uh, and then we uh, leave that immediately because you can only handle so much of this at a time. Um, we go back to the mountain, mountain and fort, which is what's written on the map, uh, and we find Isabel disappears at daylight. And there's lots of questions. Like, if we go into space and there's a million stars, what's considered daylight? What's considered not? And Alana has to be like, we we just don't. You Marco sh- and I are one in the same. Yeah, just quit. Too many questions. Just quit question all this shit. Like, he's the one who does magic. <laughs> it's like, you of all people should just let it go. Yes. Um, Marco has to explain Gwendolyn. Uh, and Alana, fi- uh, Alana finds out that she has another woman's wedding ring. Not pleased with it. No. Not pleased with any of the situation. However, Marco, very sincere in the fact that he wants to be with Alana and doesn't want to be with her and makes her feel safe in their uh, situation again. Just in time for us to go back to Sextillion. The will is taken to the inner core. And uh, out comes his special prize. A six-year-old who... Ask the will, tells the will she'll do whatever he asks. And he's like, okay, cover your eyes. Such a bummer. And then he takes his hands and puts them on the side of that creep's face and crushes his skull to just pulp and blood and teeth. And then takes the girl. There you go. Uh, And then it cuts away again after that gore and violence. Because, I mean, you get, she's six years old. Like, I didn't want to get into it too much. Then next up, uh, we see what we find out is a royal Wunder tank arrives, which is very, like, Wunder tank seems very, like, German, Nazi-ish. You but know. you have to say it in, like, a German accent. No, no, it's with a V. It's Wunder tank. Yeah. Wunder tank. Wunder tank. Wunder. There's no U. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the tank shows up, and it is, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alana's freaking out. Marco's just got up from almost dying. And you know what? I mean, there's a point where no matter what your vows are, you're going to protect your family. And so it shows that Marco has a chain welded from the hilt of his sword to his scabbard. And he snaps it and pulls that blade out. It's glowing blue and he's ready to fight. And that's the end of issue four. I like the little onomatopoeia that they have there. It says, shutink. Mm-hmm. It's accurate. <laughs> All right. All right. I wrote, uh, golly, golly, golly. This <laughs> opening is bonkers. Mm-hmm. These ladies are all head. Yes. All leg. <laughs> I don't want to know what rests at the point of convergence. Do you think there's anything there? Or do you think it's like a neck that just splits it into two? It sort of just shows. I think it's just skin. It just flows into it. Uh, okay. It's literally just giant mouth. Maybe ear hole? I don't know what goes on. I bet Where you, does the poop go? I bet you find at least one of these a giant heads attractive. And we're not going to get into it any further than that. Look. We can't Did get I into see it. your hand reaching down below the table when we started this issue? Hey. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it now. It's fine. Okay, so just to clarify... The will is at Sextillion because he wants to blow money on the credit card because he knows he won't be able to use it much longer because the stock will probably kill Marco yeah, and Yeah, and then first. they'll cancel the card because it's Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. So we're just seeing a sad, horny, lonely man mm-hmm. on a sex planet. Yes. But it's also stinking graphic. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. That's just what it is. Also, I think the backstory about Marco and Gwendolyn. Okay, I've had conversations like this with you know prior partners before like Mm -hmm. how many people have you been with like that type so i feel like it is a very common argument to have and yes i mean maybe not to the full extent of like we were engaged and then married they weren't married they weren't married yeah but they were they were engaged and then he went to war yes and then immediately was dissatisfied with war and she was just like you need to fight for her. Hey, yeah. go get them. Yeah. You know, because her dad was like in the government or whatever. So. Understandable. Which is why she didn't have to fight. And I, I mean, it's just <laughs> like panels and panels of this argument. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I get it. I have been there. Slightly more realistic. Okay. You touched on this earlier in our conversation. I guess I understand why this child prostitute arc is a thing. Mm-hmm. I want it to, like, make sense. I mean, she is a recurring character that becomes a part of the story. The young child is? Oh. So she just, like, doesn't bebop away. No, like, the wheel... We'll get into it in in the coming issues. But, like, no. The wheel makes it a point to, like, he's gonna go get her. Gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, and then, uh, you know, my, my last one for this is just, like, this decision to pull out his sword to use magic to defend his family i think i mean that's a really big step mm-hmm. right like we've seen in several instances where he's just like flat out refused to use it even though it would have benefited them very quickly yes um yeah i don't know it's like how far i mean also assuming he even knows how to fight all we've seen is him kind of like using himself as a shield or he used a spell once but like mm-hmm. we've not really seen him do anything that's very true. I'm getting ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. I apologize, dear listeners. Okay, go on to issue number five. All right, issue number five starts off with Prince Robot the Fourth sitting on a toilet, but he's not shitting. He's reading. Well, he could be. No, his pants are up. Oh no, his pants are down. Yeah, he's shitting. I just noticed he's wearing gray pants and he has gray skin, but there is a darker gray at the top. Those pants are down. He's taking a shit and reading. I like this much better now. I'm just surprised that you thought a person would just go into a bathroom to read a book. Well, I mean, he's he's doing his own investigation. Okay, all right. <laughs> that's fine. I think he's still in a prison right now. Like, I don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah, that's um, very true. He finds out, he gets a call, and finds out his wife is pregnant. So he is stoked. However, he can't go home until he takes care of this business he's on. So he's even more ready to do it. Um... We flip over to the tank that is opened up, and it shows a whole crew, a whole platoon of soldiers in full armament with guns, and um, they start shooting. Uh, Alana gets shot and goes down fast. Marco then proceeds to hack and slash all of them mm-hmm. in really short notice, but turns out didn't kill any of them. But he was about to. He was about to start hacking heads off, and Alana stops him from doing that and kind of helping save his soul a little bit. He's very appreciative that she calmed him down because he was, he was going into a rage. Um, the wheel attempts to leave sextillion with the girl. He's going to take the girl with him. He's like, fuck this. You come with me, but they get stopped by her. I mean, her pimp technically is who he crushed the head of. Mm -hmm. This would be like the super pimp, I guess the madam of the, of the place. Her name is mama son, mama son. She's purple. (laughs) 
And she has a uh, weapon to the head of Lion Cat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the wheel's like trying to talk her, you know, into giving him the girl. And she's like, no, no. She's like, also, um, she has a drug in her blood. All of our slaves do. And if she leaves, it just hardens in her arteries and she dies horribly. So you can't just escape with her. But she's like, but you give me 650000 I'm assuming credits. That's usually space money. Uh, they don't really say. <laughs> um, you can purchase her. And so he's like, okay. But if she leaves, she dies. So he, she's got to go back. And so he's just like very distraught. Um, and now we go back to the family who are piloting their brand new tank ship across. They're getting there a lot faster to the rocket ship forest. Um, about that time, the stalk finds a bunch of tied up soldiers, one of them with their hand chopped off. Um, and the wheel calls about that time to see if she needs a partner. But she refuses him. About the time that Prince Robot shows up and a soldier freaks out, just like sometimes people in power tend to do anytime they see anyone they deem as a threat and just shoot. And uh, kills the stock. Just shoots a hole through her chest immediately and kills her. Um, and that's it. That's that's five. Like it ends with the stock with a hole completely through her body, like dead. She's dead. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she would have had a lot longer uh, story arc than what she did, mm-hmm. but I think she did make a, a lasting impression. Uh, I do love that uh, Marco goes straight up ham. Yes. Uh, and I especially love the panel where he headbutts a soldier, right? He has these massive horns on his head. Um, yeah, I mean, we find out that, like, he's he's refused violence, but, like, he's like an ass-kicking machine. Yeah, very skilled at what he does. And um, I guess my only other question from this particular issue, I, I did not have a lot of uh, notes for this one. Well, it's a lot of it is the battle shots mm-hmm. and stuff like that. There's not, and then, you know, um, the Will talking uh, about wanting to take the girl with him. Like, it's a pretty quick issue, I think, overall. She, um, really quickly, though, Hazel does sort of laugh for the first time. I yeah. think that's sort of like, a, I didn't know an infant could do that. Yeah, yeah. very um, sort of sweet, humanizing moment before this uh, massive takedown. I don't understand why Marco and Alana commandeer a spaceship in order to fly to the rocket ship for us. Why don't they just use their spaceship to travel across the galaxy? Because just because it hovers and flies doesn't mean it can go out of orbit. Oh, you have all the answers. Mm -hmm. They do do it in Star Wars with several (laughs) ships, but they do it mostly here on Earth with airplanes. Okay, I don't need you bringing logic into this podcast. <laughs> I just assume that every giant spaceship could just mm-hmm. do whatever. This it is wants more. To. This is more like I, I would compare. Well, she, you know, basically like a ta- a hovering tank. Kind okay. Of, yeah. Also, I think uh, really quickly something that is of note is that the moment before Prince Robot blasts this massive hole through the stalk mm-hmm. on his uh, screen is a picture of a baby rattle. Yes. So again, like when you're talking about these sort of like contrasting 
feelings that are like in sort of moments of high emotion Mm -hmm. like oh shit he's also doing this to protect his future family yeah yeah and that's and it's about the same time that his his arm turns into that cannon right yeah yeah so but one thing about the stock Mm -hmm. that i absolutely hate is her stupid little pinchers like on her butt spinnerets is that what they're called yeah they, or like that's webs. where the webs come out. I mean, I don't. I'm assuming she could do webs. She's got a spider body, but all she has hands on the end of her legs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's too. We haven't got into it. Maybe that's where the penis goes whenever you're, uh, you know, fucking the stalk. I don't oh know. My gosh, I don't please. know. <laughs> Just get on to issue number six. Issue number six. Uh, Alana, Hazel, and Marco arrive at the rocket ship Forest, but it is decimated who hope falls it gets darker and then isabel pops up because it's dark she comes out for the night and reveals hey it's just an illusion there's one rocket ship left just joshin and uh and then we kick over to the wheel and the wheel is still talking to the stocks communicator um he's not aware that she's been shot and killed so he's just still talking to her on the phone prince robot picks it up and informs him that he's killed her and that while they will take her ship, he can have her belongings. And then the wheel just has murder on his mind, and he's going to kill everyone the Prince Robot loves. And Prince Robot. He doesn't even know who's on the fucking phone, but he's just like, you're done. And it's because we haven't really addressed this just yet. Yes. That Previous issue, he tells her that, like, he's still in love with her. Yeah, so there's definitely that, like, romantic connection that they have, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, so the wheel is ready to, ready to do the deed. Um, the ship won't open because it needs a sacrifice. And so, apart from killing one of them, uh, Marco sacrifices his sword to the ship. He actually snaps the magical blade in half, and then um, the door kind of opens, and they go inside, and then they're in there looking around, and boom, it just takes off. And it turns out like... Yeah, <laughs> you don't control it. It's just doing its thing. Uh, Prince Robot is uh, on the stock ship, which looks very cool. Uh, when Agent Gale calls, who's the um, it's like the secret ops agent from uh, Landfall that he talked to in the first issue. Uh, and during the call, uh, the prince figures out that they're traveling to Quietus because he's looking at the book she was reading, and in the back it talks about the author and that he resides on Quietus. And in fact... Alana wants them to go to Quietus, and if the ship will take their suggestions where she wants to go, because she wants Hazel to meet who she calls the smartest person in the galaxy. Um, about that time, crazy blue lights sit on the ship. They don't know what's going on. Um, Isabel lets them know that that's like a chloroform, like warning from the ship, letting them know that magic is present, something's going on. Boom, two armory-clad figures on the ship, getting ready to throw down. They're getting blasted around. Helmets come off. Things are spoken in whatever language wreath people speak. It's the grandparents of Hazel. It's the mom and dad of uh, Marco who... I guess whenever his sword got broke, they assumed he was dead. <laughs> the end. The Read end. more to find out. Yeah. Uh, I love the last line of issue six. It just says, and then my grandparents came to live with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Again, another issue that goes by very quickly. 
again, you know me, slow on the uptake sometime, not really uh, all that observant. I didn't realize that uh, the author of the Harlequin romance novel mm-hmm. was the one who lives on Quietus. I don't, I guess I just didn't uh, make that connection. Yeah, yeah, he's reading, um, what's it called? The, the, the book is called something. Oh no, I had it at some point. I don't know, but his name is uh, D. Oswald Heist, and he's a cyclops. <laughs> a nighttime smoke. A nighttime smoke, yes. <laughs> and I really do love um, that this rocket ship has such an organic feel to it, and that there's no, like, control panel, right? It's just, like, driven by the wants and the desires of the people who are riding inside of it and also like it's also left up to where the rocket ship itself might want to go yeah. right it's just yeah. like who who knows where it's headed it was grown with all this stuff in it like yeah. ready to go like it's and again yeah. that just sort of like harkens back to that like high tech low tech sort of thing mm-hmm. that you would never expect a, a rocket ship to take this form yeah and it is it's a two-page spread when you when you first see the rocket oh ship. yeah yeah you have to turn the book to the side, to the side. It, it looks yeah. it looks very cool it's beautifully yeah. drawn yeah. but yeah you know i uh, i think this was a sort of the perfect cliffhanger ending mm-hmm. right that like these six issues i don't think there was a weak issue no uh, among among them yeah i mean this it took these six to really build the beginning of all of like well the saga mm-hmm. like you know and it, so you get you get the family off world on their adventure prince robot in hot pursuit uh you've got the will who has his mindset on getting this girl back who but also like avenging the stalk and then grandparents showing up so like you have if you wanted to wrap it up in your mind if you're like hey they escaped they escaped mm-hmm but also, there's threads of what's to come, you know, right. that could go in any direction. Also, um, on the page before the last page of issue mm-hmm. six, uh, Marco is holding up baby Hazel, and it's like the cutest looking baby. <laughs> I'm just she has like the spit dripping out of her mouth. It might, yeah, and she's just like wrapped up in this little cloth, and she's so chubby looking. Yeah, a chubby baby's a good baby. Uh, also, I think it's interesting, the page before that, you see that their magic can hurt Isabel. Like, their mm-hmm. magic can hit ghosts. Yeah. So, yes, that's Saga. That's Saga, one through six. One through six. Yeah, yeah, volume one. I like it. And each uh, each story in Saga is broke up into six issues, and or six chapters, mm-hmm. and those chapters become a volume. So, like, if, you know, your, your next one's are like 7 through 13, and then it goes on from there. Gotcha. And then, or the compendiums. Um, yeah. Is 1 through 54, you said. 1 through 54 is the compendium. Compendium, And that's the right. first half of the story okay. that they've completed. Yeah. And but, so, it, but it still comes out monthly yes. in singles if you don't want to wait. And so January of uh, 2022 is when they started. Mm-hmm. And they've been releasing them again monthly. They've stayed mm-hmm. on Yeah, on also uh, the single issues have a two ninety nine price tag, which is... Other than Spawn, which is also an image book, mm-hmm. the cheapest comics on the stand. Them and I, I think DC's Scooby-Doo and Looney Tunes comics are $3. That's oh. it. Everything else is $4 and up. 
Would you say that this is definitely like an 18 plus series? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you're not like recommending it to young folks when they come in? I think... I think teen girls would be safer with it. Mm-hmm. I think teen boys would lose their mind. Yes. Too many nipples. A lot of nipples. Too many nipples for teen boys. Teen girls, probably not going to care. Yeah. We've seen them. Yeah. What do we do with them? What do you do? <laughs> All right. Okay. So, favorite time of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Rating time. Rating time. But now we always have to figure out uh, what our rating system is going to be. Let's rate it out of five giant-headed buttholeless ladies at Sextillion. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Out of five giant-headed buttholeless ladies at Sextillion. Yes. Oh my gosh, could I have said that any slower? Mm-hmm. I am going to give this a four and a half. Four and a half. Yes, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, it's always surprising to me when I come out at the other side of something that is sci-fi mm-hmm. and like have actually enjoyed it. Right. I always that's sort of like a genre that I'm still not entirely comfortable with. The same with fantasy. And when they are uh, sort of blended together, I'm always like, well, I don't know if this is, you know, mm-hmm. like, will I enjoy this? What and would, I what think would you say the point five missing the narration, maybe the narration. I would say that like, but I do understand that in issue number one, where it's so jam packed mm-hmm. that it does really allow the next five issues to breathe in a way that feels very comfortable. And again, like, organic the flow is nice you're not sort of like having to rehash everything that's happened Mm -hmm. in the issues prior um but yeah it was just sort of hard for me to to really sort of sink my teeth into it in that first issue right but everything after i think that was my only drawback other than that like wonderful across the board strong writing um Strong artistry. Loved it. Okay, now you. And you have to say it again. All right. Out of big-headed, butthole-less ladies at Sextillion. (laughs) Sextillion is like a little... It it is. It doesn't flow off the tongue as easily. Uh, I'm going to give it five out of five. Holy cow. Yeah, I'm going to say it's one of the best modern comics in existence, and that... um, it will go down by the time it's done to be up there with Sandman and um, other books of that caliber as far as being like super important pieces of comic work. And, you know, I don't hang out at the comic shop um, at all, mm-hmm. but the few times that I have been there or like have been around um, folks who are frequent customers in like Saga is brought up. I mean, people have opinions about it and mm-hmm. they... All all of the opinions that I've heard are, like, people go apeshit for it. Yeah, right? I, either people, I feel like either people like it, or they respect it, or I don't know of anybody that hates it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might be the case, but, I mean. Those people seem few and far between. Hitler hated <laughs> a lot of stuff, too, folks. Oh, you didn't have to bring Hitler into it. I didn't have to bring <laughs> Hitler into it, but I did, and I stand behind it. Listen. If you don't like Saga... 
don't make saying, that I'm don't make saying, that connection. I'm just saying take a hard look at your life. Okay. That's better. It could have gone down a perilous path right there, but mm-hmm. I'm glad you didn't. Okay, wonderful. I'm glad that we got to read this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, we get to add it to our stack. This is one that, as far as people in person, uh, this has been requested quite a bit for us to read. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been excited that you were going to read it. And so... Uh, I yeah, hope I ho- didn't let them down. Hopefully they dug the, the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, tell people where they can find us. They can find Comic Virgin, of course, anywhere you listen to podcasts, on Apple, on Spotify, either of those places. Please, for the love of God, leave us five stars. And on Apple, leave us a written review. It helps push us up the charts, regardless of what you write. Uh, also, though, we are everywhere. Uh, iHeart, Podaddict, any podcaster... Um, or podcatcher, I guess is what they are technically. I don't yeah. know terms. Uh, we are everywhere. If you look up Comic Virgin podcast, you're going to be able to listen to us on some device that you have. Yes. Uh, of course, also on Instagram, you can check us out at Comic Virgin Pod for our weekly updates where we link to the shows and, of course, our audiograms and any other things we like to post. In that bio is a link tree with all of our links to anything else upcoming and in the past that we will have. So by all means, follow us on Instagram. And if you liked this episode and you like Saga from Image Comics, please, by all means, go to your local comic shop and pick up Volume 1 of Saga or the Compendium or grab the Image First dollar issue and try it out. See if you like Saga because I think you will. Well worth your time. And uh, we'll see you next week with another episode. Bye. See you later.